Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Autistic Brain Talk Show. I have with me today the phenomenal Ms. Danielle Sullivan, who is the founder and creator of Neurodiverging. She has Neurodiverging Podcast. She is an emotional intelligence coach, and she strategically talks about how to build emotional intelligence and all kinds of amazing things within our neurodivergent families. Hi, I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late-identified autistic by unveiling who you are, what you love, creating balance, and being the leader and creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. We say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Ubuntu. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. This is huge. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me, Carol Jean. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I am excited to have you here because this has like been in the works since we sort of started working in the autistic, our new autistic community together. And yes. Diane J. Wright is our wonderful leader in all of that. And Danielle is another one of the advocates that is part of this wonderful, thriving community called Autastic Community. And we would love for you to come join us. And I'm sharing a special thing that Danielle is offering because one of the wonderful things about the Autastic site is that we have different uh, advocates who are offering courses. And Danielle has a course on there called What's This Feeling? Danielle, tell us a little bit about What's This Feeling? Yes. So I just want to chime in and say you should definitely come join us over there. It's The community has been so fantastic. It's just, it's just such an amazing space. So I have a course on there called What's This Feeling? And it is an emotional intelligence course for mixed neurotype families. So if you are in a family where some folks are neurodivergent and some folks are neurotypical um, and you want to learn more about emotional intelligence, and I'll talk more about that in a second. Um, this is a great intro course. It's just the basics. So emotional intelligence is the kind of fancy term for what, what are you feeling? If you have feelings in your body or in your brain, can we name that? Do we know what feeling it is? And then second, the second part of emotional intelligence is having named the feeling, can you moderate it? Can you kind of... Um, what is your reaction to the feeling, I guess? Can you control your reaction to it? Um, and oh, that's a good one. There's, so there's two pieces of emotional intelligence, right? Because you can feel angry, but then how you use that anger is the second piece, right? Or you can feel excited and how you use that excitement is the second piece. Um, and this is uh, tricky for everybody, <laughs> regardless of neurotype, but especially for neurodivergent folks, especially autistic ADHD folks. And it can be hard for us to teach our children those skills too. And those are skills that we need growing up in the world is being able to read other people's emotions, being able to understand what we feel and why and what triggered that and what to do about it. So that's what the course is all about. And um, it's had a great reception so far. And I'm really excited. It's been, you know, helping people and getting it out there. Oh, I love it. And you know, I love how you talk about it. And I love how you share it because you break everything down because I was really fortunate to get a sneak peek into your course. <laughs> and I was super excited because everything is really tangible. It, it's really, 
it, you know, as an autistic ADHD, or it was like everything was laid out to where it all made sense. And it was like, I just kept getting these big ahas. I mean, even with all the stuff I've been through, one of the things I think can be a big challenge in our community for those of us who have a neurodistinct neurotype, it's like, well, I'm pretty sure I know what this feeling is because if it's not like really big, like if it's mm -hmm. not like a really strong emotion, sometimes it's harder to identify. And then sometimes you also get into that. There's two feelings that you're experiencing in your body yes. that are really similar, you know, like my excitement and my frustration or anger might, or fear might all feel the same in my body. So then mm -hmm. I kind of kind of take those second steps to like get to the, identification and labeling based on the context and situation for that. And I love how you just sort of really give a good flow and sort of actionable tools to break it all down. Yeah, the course is really designed to be like you say, actionable. It does give some information, but it's not meant to be like an information overload course. It's meant to be something that you can sit down as an adult and then have um, get through these activities yourself and then take those activities to your kids. So it's meant to be something that, um, you know, is not accessible to a five-year-old in the sense of the reading, but it's something that you as a, as a grown person can take these tools and give them to a young child and work um, on them with a young child and still have that child see success in learning what their feelings are and, you know, how to handle them kind of appropriately. Um, and so it is really we do a lot of journaling, a lot of deep thought exercises, some meditation exercises, and they're all including ways that we can adapt them. Because obviously as autistic ADHD people, people have such wide varieties of ways that we learn. And um, the goal is that we can make all these exercises accessible to everybody. And I'm also there like in the autistic community and in the course. So if you ever, you know, if people taking it need adaptations, I'm right there to give that to you as part of that. So, um, but there are built in. And I think that um, going kind of going through step by step and just taking it one little bit at a time and um, we build in all these common issues that ADHDers and autistics tend to have. So sorry, my cat is being sneaky. Oh, no, <laughs> so no, um, if you got a cat, you got to let me see. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> he'll come, I'm sure he'll come over in a second. Um, oh. Yes. So yeah, so that's all built into the course. And it's all like, um, he says, no, oh. it's all in there. So I, yeah, it's really meant to be specifically for, um, neurodivergent folks, you know, yep. neurotypical folks can definitely get something out of it, but it's, it's meant for us. So, and I love that because, <laughs> you know, it, it really helped because I was able to look at some of these things in a different way, you know, and apply them to my teenage sons. Cause yes, you still, you know, that's one of the things it's not just for young children. It's also, boy, it hit, it hit the sweet spot with my 16 and 18 year old <laughs> right here. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Because good. you're still in those, in that area where, you know, gosh, I remember as a teenager, it was just like, you have these emotions that get really big, really big, fast, mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, what do I, I don't even know what to do with this. And, you know, as an autistic ADHD or not knowing that at the time mm -hmm. as a teenager, it can be a little overwhelming yeah. sometimes and a little scary because you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And you feel a little out of control sometimes. And Absolutely. So 
I love that I had these tools to help my autistic and ADHD <laughs> teenagers help have some framework to help them with their emotions and better understand the expression of them. Because that's the big one. It's like sometimes we can feel them, but it's like how appropriately or how intentional are we with how we're expressing them? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, emotions are normal, everyday things, and it's very, it's, healthy to have all kinds of emotions, whether they're kind of labeled as positive or negative or neutral emotions, because we do like to label things as like, that's a bad feeling. There are no bad feelings, feel any way you want. But it is true that there are times that it is perfectly reasonable to express a huge emotion and some places and times that it's maybe not as good of an idea. And so that second piece of, um, how you handle your emotions is just a really big one. And it's, I also think, um, very challenging for many, many autistic ADHD years um, because we do have more trouble, like research-based, evidence-based science says we tend to have more trouble regulating our emotions. We tend to have more trouble noticing our emotions. And that's not a fault within us, but that is something we can work on. And it is like, like you say, a lifelong skill. You know, I've, I've been working on it for many, 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 many years at this point, and it's still something I'm working on. It's still something I'm interacting with when I teach my children, and that's, you know, the normal state. So, but this is a good starting point and a good way to get back to basics on how you can get into some of that. It really is. And what I love is that you have so many wonderful um, things that you offer for neurodivergent families because you've got the Neurodiverging podcast and you have, ex oh my gosh, your guests and just the conversations <laughs> you have are so good. I just love them. And you also have your website where you've got your coaching and other, um, other courses that you offer there as well and support materials. And you have your Patreon where once somebody is in a program with you and there's lots of support and things. And, you know, of course, just like you said, we do have these fantastic things that we've built into the autistic community because it is our community. It's for us. And so yes. we make sure we're hitting all of those points because we all do take in information. We learn and we process in a different way. And so we try to make sure we tick all those boxes because we know from our own personal yes. standpoint, <laughs> ours are very different. <laughs> yes. Our brains are can be really different and they're all different in all different ways. And so and some different yeah. times of the day, I do oh, gosh. some material Me too. than others. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Danielle, yeah. I know mm -hmm. you're a mom like me. You've got young kids. I've got <laughs> teenagers. What is it about emotional intelligence that you would really like people to know in mixed mixed neurotype families, even if, you know, because it's like, hey, there's we're all neurodivergent in my family. We got a whole <laughs> yes. mix of it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. No, we're the same way. So my family's the same way. As far as I know, we do not have any neurotypicals here. Um, but I think what's important and what is helpful about neurodivergent families is that we know that everyone's brain is different and we know that people approach things differently. And that's the same with emotions. I think um, a lot of us who are more black and white thinkers like to um, think that we can kind of categorize our feelings into little boxes. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself and that's fine. At no, least one I of my I children, <laughs> at least one of my children tends towards that of, um, getting very confused very quickly if an emotion is too big or uh, an emotion is ambiguous or mixed. Um, and like you were saying before, you feel, sometimes you feel different emotions in the same part of your body. Um, and a lot of autistic ADHD years even skip the metacognition part where we don't realize we're feeling a feeling. We just feel the thing in our body. So we breathe hard, our heart beats, we sweat. 
And we think we're having a panic attack. We think we're having an asthma attack. We think we're having a heart attack, all bad things, right? We think we're having a medical issue. Um, And that uh, is usually not, I mean, you could be having a medical issue, but most of the time when we're having that kind of anxiety or panic attack, we're not actually having a medical issue. We're having a, a huge emotion and we just haven't, We're not intuitively connected with that. Um, And a lot of people aren't. And I think a lot of people think emotions are just something you have and people just recognize and you know what it is. And maybe you don't know how to handle it, but like, of course, you know, when you feel happy, of course, you know, when you feel excited. And it's like, no, a lot of us don't. So if you're one of those folks, I think I just say, you know, in families like us, there's probably at least one kiddo or one adult who has that kind of, um, who, who, whose feelings just kind of skip through the thinking part, the cognitive part. And that's normal. And it can be really (laughs) frustrating and it can be really hard for you in terms of understanding your health and what your body's doing, but it's totally normal. And the good news is there's ways to improve that, help your brain to pick up on those feelings when they happen. And so I think that's one thing I would point out for mixed neurotype families is if you um, have a kid who complains of stomach aches. If you have a kid who panics easily, um, or just somebody who gets from goes from zero to sixty real fast, there's probably a, some other numbers in there, and they're just getting stuck in this part. They're like you're getting from zero over here to sixty over here, and the part where it's ramping up just gets missed. And so training some of that can be so helpful. And there's some really easy ways to sort of start that process, and it doesn't have to be this overwhelming like scary, like I'll never understand what I'm feeling kind of thing. Like you can, you can, even if you have alexithymia, alexithymia or other sorts of um, conditions associated, there, there are still things you can do to improve emotional awareness in your body. And so that 100% will help you for your whole future and your kids for your whole future. It's something that you live with for your whole life, hopefully, is, yes. you know, your feelings. So it's worth the it's worth the investment, whether you do it through me or anywhere else. There's so many good books and things too. It's really worth looking at, I think. So I just, you know, that. I, as, as a person <laughs> with alexithymia and not knowing that, just not knowing that I had alexithymia, not mm-hmm. realizing and recognizing that I had a really difficult time in sort of that metacognition stuff yeah. of like being able to sort through. Cause I, I feel all the feels mm-hmm. and I feel it all in my body, but being able to sort through it and then identify it, then label it and then sort of apply it to the context and the situation and determine what's happening. It's like, then I had to learn all those tools that I didn't know I needed. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I had to, even though I'm a slow auditory processor, sometimes I'm I'm an auditory processor for problem solving. So Mm -hmm. I have to talk it out to work it out. Yep. And it's we're so very funny. similar, I think. Yes, and it's like, <laughs> I could feel it. And it's so funny when you were talking about, you know, you just you think you're having a panic attack or you feel something in your body, you know, because we feel our feelings in our bodies. We label them and we're cognizant and aware in that in the mind in an emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how I, t- that's how I think about it and, and yeah, apply yeah. it. It's what helps me anyway. And so knowing that when I feel a feeling in my body and start to sort of be able to figure out what that is, I would think I was having an anxiety attack or I was mm-hmm. panicking or stressing over an event that I was going to go to. And it turns out I was just excited and happy. Yeah. 
Isn't that crazy? Like That's... It, it's just like because I ex- I explained the best I could, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have the words or you say, like, my heart's really racing or I can't breathe or I'm like really feeling mm-hmm. like, like really way mm-hmm. up here. And you explain that to somebody else and, you know, because you got to remember other people have their own perceptions and experiences of what an emotion feels like for them. Because it doesn't always it's feel the same really for individual. Mm-hmm. And so somebody says, oh, it sounds like you're having an anxiety attack or you're panicking. So somewhere early on, somebody said that. And I thought from then on for years, every time I really was getting excited about something in an event I was going to, I wasn't having an anxiety panic attack. I was excited and happy. Yeah. No, that's a great example because emotional intelligence is unique. It's you and nobody's going to have it the same. And that's what can make it really challenging to teach to your kids. But at the same time, it's one of those great examples of every single person is going to feel things in a different way. Just the, the same way we all think differently. We all process differently. We all, you know, we're all different people. So it's, it's again about learning to label your own emotions and feeling the way you feel. And again, not like not always rushing to put a positive or a negative spin on it, especially for your kids. So I'll just say like, that's a good example of if you, you know, if you have panic attacks and they're real panic attacks, that seeing that in your child might make you think your child is having panic attacks. But if that child can't articulate what's happening, they might be having an excitement attack, you know, <laughs> like we don't know. So it's really important to give your child um, ways to process their own stuff and use their own words to, um, come to terms with their own emotions because it, it what they're doing might look the same as what you're doing, but they could be to- two totally different things happening. It's so, people are so interesting and cool. Like it's so, yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I love all the little nuances and, and the differences. To me, that's just what makes each individual person so yes. beautiful. Yes. <laughs> now, I want to talk about how do you see and, and what are some ways that you're seeing and, and really tying in emotional intelligence to our relationships that we're building with our children and within our families. Cause I yes. think that's such an important step. And, you know, this month we've been talking about relationships, you know, from the adult perspective of, you know, what type of communication style do I have? You know, what's, what type of relationship do I have? How is the communication style on both sides played into this? But you know, the other big component into relationships is our emotions, how we're feeling and how we're yes. conveying that. So what are some mm-hmm. what are some thoughts and some things that you have when it comes to applying emotional intelligence to your relationships and the building those relationships within your family dynamic? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I have so many immediate thoughts. Oh, I'll, I love just it. Say, <laughs> I'll just say that um, for me, building relationship in the family is about building trust and collaboration and being on the same team with your partners, with your children, with anybody else who's in your family dynamic. And um, you can't build trust in a place where emotions are not welcomed and expression of emotions is not welcomed and valued. But at the same time, um, because a lot of neurodivergent folks have such big feelings or such big ways of processing our feelings. Um, It's also about building trust in terms of being able to lay down boundaries, right? And that's for our partners and our kids too. So trust is really complicated, obviously. People have only been studying it for hundreds of years, but for me- That's how complex it is. That's what I mean. Like there's no no way I can sum this up quickly, I guess, but um, that we want to, 
or my goal, at least in my family and what I try to convey to clients um, in my life coaching clients and others is that building trust is about both leaving space open for people's feelings and their honest, authentic communication um, about those feelings and also setting boundaries around what kind of behaviors are or reactions to those emotions are um, reasonable, respectful, and but still authentic, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's these kind of two sides. And I think those are the two big pieces for creating a family atmosphere that's um, has open communication, respectful communication, um, but also a lot of authenticity and honesty and children who trust their parents and parents who can trust their children back. Um, and that's, I don't, for me, that's the basis of emotional intelligence is you want to build it for yourself so that you can build it for your kids so that everybody actually, because you can't have good communication if you don't know what you think or what you're feeling, your kids can't be expected to communicate well in whatever style they communicate if they don't know what they're feeling. Um, you can't be expected to lay down fair boundaries if you don't know why you're upset about something. <laughs> you know, I can't count the number of times when I, especially in my say twenties and in the early years of my children's life where I knew something happened and made me upset, but I couldn't figure out what it was or what to do about it. And so how are you supposed to set a future boundary if you can't figure that out for yourself? You know, it can be really confusing and hard and emotional intelligence if it doesn't solve all those problems, at least makes addressing them so much easier and so much simpler. And it's just really valuable for that family dynamic, I think. Holy I hope cow. I answered your question. I got a little you bit. just knocked like, it out of okay, the park. Good. Heck no. Like this podcast is all about that. This is our, <laughs> I <guess>. our space. <laughs> like you just answered it the way we all want to hear it. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Okay. That's, that was awesome. I mean, Danielle, seriously, that just, you just knocked it out of the park. I like, so wonderful because there there are both sides of that and it's and you know that's one of the biggest contributing factors you know I I am I talk about burnout that's my thing mm. I talk about it because that's really been the biggest that chronic cycle burnout trap so like hard. from the time I was six mm -hmm. I mean that's whoa way early but you know I'm the more you, I've talked to people the, the more I found out boy that's about the time I started identifying mine once I started figuring out what burnout looked like for me yeah and a lot of that all goes back to understanding my emotions being able to articulate and express my emotions and feeling like I had a safe space to do mm -hmm. that and then being able to identify what those healthy internal and external boundaries like we talked about last month in yeah. self-care um, about how they tie into relationships so guys here's the other part of where this <laughs> internal and external boundaries ties into self-care and how you are addressing this in your life because Danielle made a really excellent point here. How do you know what boundaries to set with yourself, to set within your relationships and within your family? Because you also have family boundaries, you know, as mm -hmm. a group Absolutely. that you agree to. If you can't identify that and then also having that safe space. But the other flip side I'm going to add to that is this also is one of the most impactful ways that I have found for energy management. Oh, yes. And how it contributes to our burnout and staying out of that chronic cycle burnout loop that we get stuck into because 
if we don't know we're expending energy holding on to and stuffing down our feelings or not even um, being able to process and filter them through, they will suck your energy and they will lead you into that burnout. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I completely agree. And just like I was talking about with some people going from zero to 60 with an emotional intensity, a lot of people go from zero to six, or it looks like zero to 60 in terms of burnout where you're fine one day and the next day you wake up and you're done for months, right? At least that's my experience. You're the burnout expert, but that's oh, what it, it looks look like, like for that, me. But there's yeah. these little and, tiny gray areas. Yeah. And for me, it was, and I'm thinking about a couple of clients specifically that I've worked with too. It's, it comes back down to that emotional awareness that how are you supposed to know you're burning out if you can't, um, cause again, it's, it's, it's skipping, it's skipping your brain, right? It's going right past that and it's going into your, your body. And so if you can't with your mind recognize that, um, you're expending all this energy and time and effort, then how, yeah. How are you supposed to know burnout's coming? Like there's, there's just, exactly. there's just well, no way. One of the wonderful <laughs> things is that I do help people identify signposts. So exactly. that they, they've mm-hmm. got these signposts and they've got sort of a working list of them because they will change and evolve over time mm-hmm. and new ones will come in. I find new ones in my world all the time. But yeah. when I have these signposts that I'm like, oh, I'm not making up in my bed every mm-hmm. day like I normally do. Oh, I forgot to change my calendar the first of the month. This month, it made it into the next month before I did it. <laughs> Those to me are my signposts that, yeah. hey, your, your energy is, is going out in places mm-hmm. where you're not getting res- restoration. You gotta just do a little self-check yeah. here. Yeah. And one of those things is my emotional intelligence because when it's bypassing my brain and it's just all in your body, you, as a late identified autistic, one of the, the things that you really have to, that really helps to start unpacking in burnout and in relationships and, and building all of these things that have been like, woo, all over the place for our whole life till we find out we're autistic and then all of a sudden everything starts to come together. Uh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> One of those things is when you have felt this chronic, chronic and constant stress of holding your emotions in your body, you don't know what it feels like to be relaxed, to let those out, to be fully like not in, not tense in some way, like holding mm-hmm. that in. And, you know, contrast creates clarity. And so one of the really beautiful ways that has been a huge impact in my life was when I started to identify different emotions in my body, where they were, and I learned how to start expressing them. It was like my body was letting them go. And I was able to like a little bit, little bit, little bit, my shoulders were slowly <laughs> dropping. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In my body, I was like finally taking, I'm a singer. And so, you know, breathing, diaphragm breathing. Oh yeah, you got to get down like. there. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, all of a sudden it was like, I could now take in more air than I ever could before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't even realize these little tiny physical differences until you know what the difference is. Exactly. Because you have done it for so long. It's like you've held it in and it's like you go from zero to 60, but really there's those little things in between, but you mm-hmm. don't feel those little things in between because it just, it's a slow build sometimes. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think any kind of like your program, this, this you know, emotional awareness, all these things are any kind of self-development is about breaking uh, habits and routines and cycles that are not serving you, right? And um, we know so much about how low emotional intelligence inhibits um, 
your life in general, it's linked to higher depression. It's linked to higher anxiety. It's linked to um, all sorts of family, family, like higher risks of higher family issues, higher risks of dementia when you're older, all sorts of things, which is really unfortunate, but we have a lot of control over addressing that now, you know, and addressing that for your kids now and your, your teens and your young adults and all the way up. Um, and anyone can learn emotional intelligence at any time, just like you can increase self-awareness of those signposts, right? And so we have a lot of control over improving the outcomes of our lives. And oh, see, that just gave me tingles. Yeah. <laughs> that just gave me tingles because that is, that is the piece of information that if you take nothing else away from the conversation that you're sharing with Danielle and I today, you have authority, control, and you have the ability. We have neuroplasticity. Yes. This is absolutely doable. Yes. Do not feel like just because you haven't figured it out yet or it's not something that you've had a really good success rate with to this point, you can and it's okay and you absolutely can do this. Yes. And Danielle's wonderful class, What's This Feeling? Her course will help you start that. This is a wonderful get acquainted with your emotions, what are some steps, and they're great ways to integrate into your family. Oh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I want you guys <laughs> to go do this. And just for all you parents out there of teenagers, I'm just going to share a little insight with you. It is so beautiful to have that space where you can allow for true and authentic feelings to be expressed, and your children know that they can come to you and they can tell you everything. Just going to tell you a little insight from my seed of parenting wisdom for today. I love my boys and I've been really intentional with making sure I set up a relationship in a space where they knew that they can tell me anything. I've told them, I was like, look, even if you mess up big time, like you're in serious trouble kind of big time, like somebody from the police is going to knock on my mm -hmm. door or call my house because you did something you know you shouldn't have done and you got caught. It's okay. You can tell me. And I might be upset but mm -hmm. I'm not going to love you any less. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to help you in any way that I can. It's okay. Whatever it is, it is not anything that is life, you know, it's not going to end our relationship. And they know that. Well, that is a beautiful thing. The other side is they tell me everything. There's no <laughs> filter. There's stuff no filter. I can't unhear now. <laughs> And I'm okay with that, but then there's the other side of it that I'm like, what do I do with this now that they've told me? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it is? It's truly, I'm so honored that they trusted me to tell me that it's okay and whatever I got to do to process or <laughs> like tuck the fact that that happened or I heard that and I really didn't want to. <laughs> that that's okay too. So for all you parents out there, if, if you've got your kids that they just tell you anything and everything, that's an amazing thing. That's yeah. an amazing thing. That means you're doing something where they feel comfortable. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes your parents' heart is just like, dude, 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 did you really just tell me that? Oh my Lord. <laughs> and it's okay too. We have those uh, times where we can go talk to our partners and kind of work that out on our own side. Yeah, we have our own, you know, you have your, hopefully your partners, your therapists, your friends, your, you know, your life coach. Yeah, we're here for that. Yeah. Get it out of your head. Absolutely. But so Daniel, where can uh, everybody find you? Like, where do you want them to go check you out? Where yes. do you want them to go find you? So the best place to go find me is on my website, which is neurodiverging.com. That has all my podcast stuff, all my life coaching stuff, all the links to everything. Um, and 
yeah, and also I'm on the Autastic community, so you should come find me there. I'm hit and miss with social, I'll be honest, but I'm always on there. I'm always on my email as well, which is neurodiverging.podcast at gmail.com. So that's a great way to get in touch with me directly. And I answer everybody who emails me. So uh, you'll always you'll always catch me there. So that is fantastic. <laughs> Danielle Sullivan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and your wonderful perspective on emotional intelligence in neurodivergent families. I am thrilled to be a part of the Autastic community as one of the content advocate creators there with you. And guys, make sure you go find her. Make sure you come join us in the Autastic community site and be sure to take a moment today, look around, and be thankful and grateful for all the wonderful things in your life, especially those relationships. See you next week. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener, and thank you for adding your voice to our story.